Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Doctors in Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nadia Saba, and this is our special series, What Plants Crave, where I'm talking to growers um, who are growing plants indoors and in greenhouses to learn some insights about what it's like to grow crops in a controlled environment. Today's guest is a true leader in the cannabis industry. She's an executive of one of the largest cannabis cultivation companies in the country and a vocal advocate for the medicinal benefits of the cannabis plant. Yes, today's guest is none other than Salpi Boyajian, executive vice president and board chairwoman of Flower One Holdings, the largest cultivator, processor, and retailer of cannabis in the state of Nevada. In 2014, Salvi started NLV Organics, a luxury cultivation brand growing indoor cannabis products. And in 2018, Flower One acquired NLV Organics and brought Salpi on to lead the operation of their 400,000 square foot flagship glass house. Salpi. Welcome to the Doctor Is In podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you today and to learn about this crazy world of cannabis cultivation. Thank you. Thank you. It is a pleasure and honor to be here. I thank you so much for even having me on. It was just exciting to hear my intro, actually. So sometimes I have to remind myself of the journey, I call it. I always talk about this journey that I have embarked on entering cannabis, I think. So yes, yeah. thank you. you kind of put it into perspective to say. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's start there. You came from the world of psychology, right? Yes. Okay. How did you go from that into cannabis? And, and I also just want to ask, like, what were your perceptions in the world of psychology of cannabis before you even discovered the healing properties of this plant? Oh my God, that's an amazing question. And I think um, I always say I have my story. Everyone has a story, but I definitely have a story with all of this. And I'll kind of give you kind of the highlights. But I I love sharing the story, actually, because I think it helps sometimes people understand how we all come from such different places and how we all got here today to what we are all doing, including yourself, to why we're here doing cannabis. And I I would like to say we've dedicated ourselves and committed ourselves to this because we truly believe in it. And I know you and I kind of share that. So I guess starting back in the day, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Okay. So it all started with that. And why, and I'll connect it for you guys in a minute, being a, a licensed clinician, my significant other and I have owned our own nonprofit, well, founded our own nonprofits in uh, California. We're from LA. We have group homes for kids. So we've been doing that for almost 20 years now. We were looking, so this is, you're talking 20 years and now it's 2022. I've been in doing Nevada cannabis since 2015 because the application started back in 2014. So oh my gosh. it's been a minute, right? So when the applications first came out back in 2014, it was around the exact same time that my husband and I were looking to say, hey, we love Vegas. We're from L.A. Let's figure out a way to use my background, my license and do more in Vegas, in Nevada. We were going to basically come and open more group homes. We didn't know what we were going to do, something more Hmm. clinical based. So originally the cannabis licensing a responsible department in Nevada was under Department of Public and Behavioral Health. 
where you find psychology programs. Oh, wow. So he was literally researching all the different things we can do in Nevada with our license and what we've been doing in LA. And that's when cannabis popped up because it was open to new applications. And he literally, I, I still visually remember where I was standing and where I was when he called me and he said, get to the computer right now. I found our next business. I'm like, you did? What? He's like, just go. So he's walking me through it. I'm Googling it. He's like, go to this, go to it. Long story short, cannabis. I'm like, are you freaking crazy? I said, you want me and you to get into cannabis? And we live in LA. So we know what it's been about in California. Mm. And, and especially back then, right? It was yeah. a whole other story. It is what it is today. But still, it, I was like, I mean, us? What? How? I said, the money, the the this. The, he's like, no, no. This is like the legit kind, like applications, right? Submitting it to the state, filling all the paperwork out and, and going through the ABCs and the one, two, threes. It's like similar, we thought, to how I started all my other businesses. I've been doing regulatory businesses pretty much my whole professional career, working in nonprofits. Uh, I've worked with and consulted for healthcare facilities for elderly. So I've done that since pretty much, literally since I was in grad school, to be honest with you. So mid 20, um, and I'm 48. So dang, that's been a minute. Um, wow. <laughs> Time flies. I know. <laughs> Time flies, right? So I was like, okay, okay, hold on a second. I said, okay, because again, there's realities of what we thought we knew and, and all the all the word on the street back then was, yes, was cannabis the business we all thought with the big bucket of gold at the bottom of the rainbow type of thing? Mm-hmm. Sounded a little crazy, but hey, if you were able to maneuver, we maneuver pretty well through things. But when he said that, I said, okay, let, let's think about it. I'm open to it. So I dug in. I've been writing applications for these other businesses. That's kind of what we've been doing. So started reading the applications, going through all this stuff, learning about Nevada, too. So now I'm not only figuring out cannabis and what I got to do with that framework. Now I got to figure out how you operate in Nevada versus LA or California, for example, because there's, as I said, a way to, you know, have to do business here. Um, So here we are, we got the paperwork, I'm reading it. It sounded pretty straightforward because I'm literally at this point looking at the state application and looking at all the requirements, like some of the other businesses. So we we said, we're gonna do it. We said, of course we had money, we needed more money. I have an uncle who's thankfully been literally my backbone, my entire professional career. He's helped me start all my businesses and he's very comfortable. So he's always been my support. Plus he loves and uses and believes in cannabis. So I was like, this has gotta be perfect. So of course, we embarked on the journey, talked to uncle. Uncle said, I'll give you all the funding. You got to go make it happen and run it. So that that's literally the start of how we even got in to cannabis. Beyond that, the psychology piece and my personal story, like I always say, I even have beyond that, my own personal relationship with cannabis. Because being not only the age I am, so the generation we grew up in, right? being an Armenian, I'm full Armenian female growing up in LA, I obviously started, I used to be scared of cannabis. I, I went to an Armenian private school for goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I haven't even been around much of anything. I'll just be honest. I was a pretty good kid. So when this 
happened, I was like, when, so the first time I ever started with cannabis was because of my husband. So he was obviously very well into cannabis since his teens, big believer in it. I saw him as a professional. He's successful. He's, he's, he's an ex NFL player. Like if he's been able to do all of that and be successful and I watched him as we did everything else, I had that misconception of what a typical cannabis user looks like. Right. fit that so that was probably the first time in my life I truly saw that and now I'm starting to say okay so our first year together I would just sit back and watch him smoke and he always tried and he never pushed but I suffered from very bad migraines so and at that point I was already using painkillers Vicodin a lot needless to say I was addicted to Vicodin Mm -hmm. I never drank alcohol because I've been literally on pain meds since my 20s because I've had the migraine since then, right? So it was one day I'm driving home in miserable pain, crying. And I was like, I gotta go, I'm dying. But he's like, just freaking go smoke. Like, just go try it. It's gonna change your life. Like you're gonna feel so much better. So I was in so much misery that I said, you know what, I gotta do it. I, I can't do it. I can't take more pain pills. It's not going away. So I literally got home. I Again, same thing. I remember driving home. I was on the 101 freeway. I used to live in the valley. Driving home, got home. We had He had his stash at my house. So I, I got in there and I took a couple of hits and, and I was like, okay, this is okay. This is not bad. And that was literally the first time that I ever had to actually use cannabis because of my headache. But wow. it, was in, it was evening and he was home by the time I got home and we I, I, I literally remember waking up the next morning and telling him that was the best night's sleep I've ever had. Imagine that with a migraine. And I woke up to that. So that, that feeling has never left me. And I would say since then, obviously, and this is how I also speak to a lot of new users that are a little bit older that have had the same, probably, the, I'll, I'll say the psychology of how the world has trained our brains. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I am thankful. I I am so thankful that cannabis entered my life. Basically, I I wish, of course, I knew sooner I started sooner, it would have probably been healthier for me to do that versus what I ended up doing. But it did what it did when it did it right. So that's literally my personal story with cannabis beyond that, being a therapist, and now that I'm such a believer, personally, now I'm trying to really understand all the amazing things that you can do and feel better with using cannabis. When I started thinking about the anxieties, the depressions, the PTSD and all of that type of stuff and and watching and seeing the true reason behind why the medicinal part of this is so significant and coming from something that is so natural and does not have, I'm gonna say pretty much any detrimental effects to it whatsoever. I mean, the amount that we've all consumed and we're luckily right, like still here, feeling healthier and better than we did before. I mean, that that was a huge life changing. There we go moment. Cannabis has truly changed my life. I mean, let, I, I just want to stick with your entry into cannabis for just a minute mm-hmm. and the sort of 
personal and professional obstacles or biases that you had been conditioned with both, you know, from your family and and your upbringing as an Armenian, but also I'm curious about the psychology and therapy community. Um, And I mean, just personally and professionally, it, it seems like you would have had to navigate challenges with those two parts of your life. Is, is that true? 100%. So let me give you a couple examples because I think about it a lot now. We, working with our group homes, we're working with minors. But cannabis was something a lot of our kids had on them a lot, all the time. We would literally... Our kids would get in trouble in the group homes for having cannabis on them. Okay, they were minors, understood. But I also recognize just what and why are, especially the group home, the at-risk youth level of teens in this world, but in general, anyone with mental health issues, why seeking out cannabis is so significant. So even me professionally, in the beginning, in the psychology world, it wasn't accepted Right. It wasn't, it wasn't understood. We weren't taught. It wasn't something I learned in school about. It wasn't even something any of my, I don't even think we touched upon it at the time that I was going to school. At all? At all. A hundred percent at all. So I wasn't, but yeah, but remember, this is almost, when did I go to school? I graduated in the 2000s. So that's what I'm saying. So yeah. it hadn't started. I would like to say in grad school today or in, just in undergrad, hopefully they are talking and bringing up cannabis in some of these psychology classes, but I, I, I mean, I was, did you talk about other drugs and their effects on absolutely. the psyche and everything? But those were all considered, right. Well, I guess cannabis was in that family. It was, it was the bad drug. As a drug. It was yeah. a drug. Yeah, yeah. even saying that because it pisses me off so much to even know that that's how we, people still categorize it in their heads that way. And like today, when I sit in front of a, another clinical professional or any type of medical professional, and they have that mentality, it it, it upsets me because I feel like in today's world, any smart medical, all kinds of medical from physical, psychological, whatever, you got to at least look into it and give it a understanding of the reasoning behind it and give it a chance. So when I come across someone who doesn't even open their eyes or mind to it and is not even open to listening to it, it really upsets me because they, it just tells me the ignorance level out there. And that's truly, I would say, a big part of our training of our professional world of people, because where does a person go to start when they're not feeling well, when their mental health is not right? They're going to go to a medical professional. And if that person is already telling you this is bad, this is not good for you, it's you're already hurting us as an industry. You're hurting, you're not allowing this person to have some kind of a potential breakthrough that could change their life and it not being with real medication. This is that alternative. At least give it a chance, I guess. And my biggest thing has been, especially when I'm sitting in front of doctors or psychologists, all of that is to allow them to use my story and my experience to open their minds to say, oh, and to give them a chance. And it, th- and this, the vision of what they think in their minds a cannabis user looks like, I'm always trying to defy that, right? That's yeah, the other yeah. thing. As a professional, and I would like to say we're almost successful because this cannabis business is just there. My other stuff I could say I've been, but it's typical because that's like, we are not what they expect. 
be it the age group, the, the look, the being able to run a business and, oh, and you use cannabis on a regular basis. Absolutely. Like you're not just laying on your couch yeah, watching right? TV and eating cheetahs. Right. Because that's the immediate place they go. So yeah. all I, I love trying to defy that thought that people have. And I'm, I'm big on that and adamant on that. And for example, all of my own doctors, when I go see my own doctor for my checkup and they ask what you do, I was like, I'm very open about it, obviously. And she's like, Oh, some doctors I've had. Oh my God. Are you sure? I had a doctor tell me the other day that, did you read the recent studies? I said, what recent studies that we're seeing? Are you ready for this? brain hemorrhaging because of cannabis. I said, wait, wait, what? I said, did you read this? Is this a legitimate stuff? I said, can you please forward me that? I said, I have never heard of anything like that. I got like, I was thrown off. I'm like, I, I mean, I've never heard of anything like that. I said, with all due respect, doctor, I said, you, I don't know where you got your information, but that is definitely not a thing with cannabis. There's no brain hemorrhaging. Yeah. Cause she's telling me to be careful. Oh my gosh. Is this for real? This is just literally two weeks ago, by the way. Wow. So so this is, it's still there. So I'm again, here we are, but I I think, I hope I answered your question, but I think that's like my, my thing. It's, it's, it's constantly trying to work through and defy that being an Armenian, like you said, imagine with my family, fun, fun stories. When we finally decided to start this journey and this is what we were going to do. We were still living in LA. So Literally for a whole year, we would spend a week in LA and a week in Nevada, my, my husband and I, back and forth. We would come do what we had to do here, keep running our LA businesses, back and forth. So my family, nobody knew what I was doing at that time. I hadn't shared it with anyone but my uncle, of course, because I had to keep it a secret. I literally had to keep it a secret until the end came. When we finally submitted applications and I, I knew I was going to win some kind of license. And now I'm all, besides the fact that I'm about to enter cannabis, I'm about to literally move, by the way, for an Armenian family, I'm leaving. Oh yeah. First one to ever do that. So I had two big pieces of info. I had to have a family. I literally had a family party slash meeting to let everybody know. (laughs) A coming out party. I call it a coming out party. Seriously. And my mom literally cried oh no (laughs) she she sat there and cried I'm like mom seriously right now like stop like I'm a grown woman we're not doing that so what I did is I opened my I had brought my laptop and if you remember back in was it I think 15 or 16 there was those documentaries on MSNBC because Colorado had gone right that's so I said mom sit down and watch this I literally turned on the documentary for on my laptop and had her just sit and watch it and understand so that they're not just going off the very untrue information that's been fed to us, but like kind of saying, this is, this is what, this is, is a real legitimate business. Oh, by the way, yeah, your daughter uses cannabis. That was also when they started finding out that I actively smoke cannabis. Oh my goodness. But so, so that, that, that's how it started. My dad was like, yeah, 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 whatever. We'll see. Like, are you serious? Like, I don't even think this is going to happen for real. But yeah, that was that. That's how I came out, literally. Wow. And then my family, I still t- till today have haters that call this a drug business and can't believe this is what my uncle and I do. Wow. And then I have a lot of support, obviously. But now I'm also just trying to get more of my family to actually use cannabis. Like, right. I mean, I appreciate you all. I love you all. But 
I'm trying to change your life. This is not just about what I do for a living. This is about me trying to make people's lives better because I truly believe in what this plant can do to people. So, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, all right. So you want a license, obviously. Right. So I, you picked up and moved to Nevada? Yep. Oh my so goodness. We applied for five licenses, two cultivation, two production and one dispensary. Did not win a dispensary license. Okay. So basically I had the cultivation and production. So I started one location and we put the second, I had two separate locations and I had put the second location on hold, obviously, because I'm like, I'm not going to build both out. There's yeah. a lot of money. Let me figure this first one out. And that was the first one. That was the NLV Organics. It was the indoor facility, 25,000 square feet total. And in Nevada, cultivation is cultivation. Production entails everything beyond anything else you do, basically. So if it's your um, the lab, anything extraction, anything edibles, anything else you do in Nevada that is not growing cannabis sits under the production license. Okay. So were you predominantly then focused on growing flour and selling flour then? Where I so I started the cultivation and production at the NLV Organics. So I had oh, oh, gotcha. line and okay. I started with the vapes. I in the beginning I started my mainly my vape line and I was very big into beauty and stuff. So yeah, I, I started, wanted to ask you about your luxury brand. Yeah. Brand. What does that That's mean? That's how it started. the The vision the vision back then was that I was going to start high end luxury brand. And what does luxury mean in, in cannabis world? It, it means you've got the best cannabis out there. Yeah. And I, I tried. I'm not going to say that I was. So very quickly, I would like to be honest. I don't think I'm at the top. I'm not premier by any means because we were barely starting out. I'd yeah. never grown cannabis before. We were learning. We were trying to figure out how to do this right. So the vision was to be a luxury brand in terms of, I would say, let's say my marketing and stuff. I'm over here just trying to figure out how to really grow good cannabis and pass testing. And at that time, with Nevada's regulations, we were like pulling our hair out. Like, what are we missing here? Like from day one, that's been something that we've been trying to really understand and struggled with because I know that Nevada has some of the highest, I would say, requirements when it comes to passing testing. Okay. But just in general, outside of that, just the overall I didn't realize, I guess this is where my head started, how hard it is to grow good cannabis. I'll just leave it there. Like yeah. this is one of the hardest things I've done in my life. And I always say I've done some hard things in my life, but this takes the cake. It still takes the cake till today. Who did you so, learn from? Like, where did you seek out I, the knowledge to grow? I studied a lot. I learned, I studied that whole year when Shatoni was driving, I was on my laptop in the car. Like my office was the drive back and forth to LA. I was constantly working, reading. We were even just trying to figure out and vet consultants because at that time I had some newer consultants. And if you, if I think about it now, back then it was still really new too. Very. So yeah, yeah. You're trying to figure out who's telling me what those consultants back then were also new themselves. So True. Now that I look back, I'm just like, wow. wow We've all wow, been learning wow. together. Right? Literally. Yeah, yeah. So I literally went through multiple, multiple consultants until I finally understood and was able to differentiate between who wasn't feeding me some BS and who was truly knowing and 
had some real experience behind them. What and was the differentiator, if I may? Absolutely. I would like to say, number one, have you done this before? Okay, fair. Right? Like, because there was a lot, especially LA, California world of people talk, talk, talking about it, but they didn't do what was expected. No offense. They came from the black market. This yeah. is not the same as what you kind of set up and did. This is more professional. You got licenses. You got, I got, I got fire department checks. I got to pass. I got to make sure all my wiring is done right. Like you're, this is like on another level. So that's number one. Now you got to also make sure that they know how to actually grow good cannabis. Oh, and grow good cannabis in a matter of making sure we pass testing. What yeah. does that mean? And I would, here's a perfect example. My first dry room. My consultants back then were California people. So the design of the dry room, of, of course, included a, the normal everything and a dehumidifier, right? Okay, so it's my first harvest. My first night, my family is helping me. Literally, I had family members who I had brought in, volunteer basis, got them all agent cards, doing my first harvest. I have my visual. So we put everything, it was my first room. I only had about 500 plants. So it wasn't, it was about a hundred pounds, nothing major. Okay. And I'm doing that. So we put it in the dry room. We go home the next morning, we come back. Everything is bone freaking dry. We are all like, <sighs> I think I, I can't even tell you what my nervousness, my, the, the chaos that is. So I'm like, what the heck is going on? Luckily, I had so many consultants that started calling all of them, trying to assess and diagnose it. What am I going to do? That same day, the finally, the one person was smart and said, oh, you're in Nevada. There's almost no humidity there. <laughs> you actually need to install a humidifier in your dry room because you need to slow down the drying process. Oh, wow. Because it's Nevada not California, totally different. So literally that same day, I had an amazing contractor. I called him, we found the humidifier. He was in there by the end of that next day, I had a humidifier installed in the room. I was able to rehydrate and bring that a little yeah. bit back. But once you go one way, yeah, you know better yeah. than me, like, yes. So it is what it is. It's our first one we're learning. So it was that literally. So I obviously in Nevada, note to everybody, you got to have dehumidifiers and humidifiers in your dry room. <laughs> you have to control the rate yeah. of how you dry your cannabis in your dry rooms. So that was my very first aha moment of really down to those simple things, what it means to control our environment. Right. And what do you have to consider? Like, this isn't rocket science. I'm going to be very honest. But it's still making it happen. There's so many factors, I always say, in cannabis that can go wrong. I just, I'm always, even till today, having done how many, you and I, we've done thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds, hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah. And every single harvest, every single dry cure, every single time has got its own intricacies and factors because there's so many things happening, especially, right. we'll say, in our greenhouses. Right. So, <laughs> how long, Sophie, how long did it take you to find your rhythm, right? To, to hit yeah. the sweet, like where you felt really good or comfortable, like you knew what, what you were doing. I mean, maybe it wasn't always perfect, but you knew how the plants were responding and what equipment you needed and how to operate it. You know, it was, how long did it take you to kind of hit your stride? 
I feel like I'm still finding it, but because oh. we're always trying to be great, right? And per- sure. and get there. But honest truth where I can comfortably speak on it and I can sit in front of a, an expert such as yourself and at least hold a conversation about understanding how to grow cannabis. It took me at least that first good year yeah. of actually being in it. So when I started our facility, it was literally me, my husband and one employee. We That's were amazing. literally, and I worked 24 seven, the first six months we were sleeping in our office at the facility because we would take turns and take shifts. So when I say from my heart, I have done every single task that exists in cannabis with my own two hands, at least once I've done everything, even in my lab so that I can truly say that mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about and you can't run game on me because I'm learning with employees too. If they think you don't know what you're doing, they're going to come up with their they're own. They're going to run over you. Yeah. And, and screw everything up. what I'm about. So it, it was definitely, you. yeah. So even from everything from our, I have cute pictures of us all dressed up and suited up in our bedroom when we were doing the cloning or, or pruning or, or simple things like that. Right. The, all of that and understanding what that means, harvesting, trimming, manicuring, all the simple, basic tasks that, when to perfect it equal to what we talk about with amazing, beautiful flower. Mind you, the one thing I'll say that I'm not very savvy on is the nutrient mix and all of that stuff. I've always had people that I've worked with with that and okay. made sure that they gave me their input because they were either for plant scientists or whatever different yeah. consultants I had that I trusted. And, um, and that would be the one place I would still say till today, I probably is my weakest link, weakest okay. spot. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just the, the feed part of the plant. Cause now that's where you've got to learn about plants and, and the science of the plants. And, <laughs> right? and that, that I, something I truly never went to school for. And there's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of studying that's, that's a lot. So other than that, I would say the actual work of what involves to do the actual day-to-day operations. I'm that's how it all started. So that's operations amazing. has been my heart. I mean, just honestly, mad respect to you, first off, like coming from no experience, uh, no education or experience in botany or plant physiology or plant science and gardening, even, I mean, maybe you garden, but no, no, yeah, yeah. No um, emails, but no. (laughs) (laughs) I figured it all out though. Yeah. And figuring it out. Um, you know, I mean, and, and turning to experts, learning who was an expert and wasn't an, who was and wasn't an expert. And honestly, just being part of every piece of the operation, not just focusing on one thing and giving everything else away to other people that, you know, just in my opinion, it just makes you a better boss. If you know, right, mm-hmm. a little bit about what everybody's job is going to be, you're going to do a better job at leading them um, to, to be successful and your company to be successful. So I really respect that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And, and to speak on that, if it comes to just learning how to run a good business, mm. and that's one thing, obviously this not being my first business was very important to me. It's the same thing I've done with all my other business. So I, ju- I didn't do anything different. I mimicked the same style and approach I've always had to starting a new business learning it, working with my employees and my team. And then of course, being the leader, you want them to know why you're the leader. You want them to love, trust, and respect you for being their leader so that they work for you. They work harder for you and they enjoy working for you. And, and that's important to me. And I've, I've done that my entire professional career, I would say of 
figuring out how to be my best self as 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 a boss. Yes, do I like being a boss? Absolutely, but it's about how I do it. That's my secret sauce. And that's why we have the people we have around us because they believe in you. I was just quickly telling someone the other day, I feel like with or without believing in religion, I'm like, how did Jesus get people to believe and follow in him? Mm -hmm. You you have to have a different level of work you put into your team. I always say you got to put the work in. You got to give before they're going to give you. You got to remember that this doesn't yeah. come the other way. Just because you pay employees, that's not what it means to be a good leader or run a good business. We we're really trying to stand out from the crowd with how we work with our employees, how we we lead. We, yes, do we try to be a part of it 100%, but we still have to lead it. And I have to own that. It's my yeah. responsibility at the end of the day to make payroll. It's my responsibility to see what the next step is of how to grow this business. I just need everyone to do their part. I always say, everyone stay in your lane, do what you do great so that I could do what I have to do and lead us all hopefully into a a better place ultimately. And hopefully I can make better decisions. Um, I want to actually come back to this line of um, discussion a little bit later um, when I, because I want to talk to you about efficiency and operational efficiency and running a business. But before we go there, Tell me how the relationship with Flower One started and is the NLV Organics facility still operating? NLV Organics is still operating. It obviously got acquired. So even my, so I started a brand out of that. The brand is still here. We still, we call it Vegas Born Cannabis because it was literally born and started here in Nevada. So that's, that's one of our in-house brands now. So, but that is a funny story too, because it is not a pretty story. So, um, I mean, it was back in, it's a, now I'm about a year and a half in, literally, I get a cold call one day of, uh, it was Canadians, we're a publicly traded can, uh, Canadian cannabis, cannabis company, which we're in the middle of a restructuring right now. So that's for another conversation we can have <laughs> next podcast, but, um, So yeah, I literally got a cold call one day of someone asking, and remember back then it was just not too many employees. So I was actually answering phones back then too. Wow. So so the person was like, yeah, can I speak to the, I said, yeah, yeah, you got me. What we are interested in buying your facility. I said, interested in buying my facility. I said, I literally said to him, who buys a business that's not making money? (laughs) I was like, you guys understand that. So I'm in shock. I'm not yet, but I said, what? I'm a year and a half into this. And my uncle and I are still putting money in every month to just keep the lights on and keep the doors open. You were so honest. Oh, I, oh yeah. I'm like, what? 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 I was like, totally like. What? Blindsided. This is not real. I'm like, this can't be real. And the guy's like, no, no, no. This is, we understand, but this is cannabis. And we recognize what you're saying, but it's different with cannabis, right? Because everyone thought you had the bucket of gold sitting at the yeah. bottom of it eventually. I said, okay, I don't know how serious this is. I go, you know what? Send me information. I don't know who you are, what you're about. And so, and it was Easter week. I go home all the time. So I still go back and forth all the time. So of course, holidays, I always go back to LA. I said, all right, let me, let me sleep on it. Give me a few days. Of course, went back and was going to see my uncle anyway. So I went and talked to my uncle about it. He's like, eh, it doesn't hurt to talk. Let him just talk to us. Like, what's going to happen? We can ask questions. Maybe we'll learn something. I said, okay, you're right. So I continued the conversation with them. And 
fast forward after another almost year and a half almost of back and forth a lot of paperwork and stuff we had to go through and especially with putting together financials and accounting because it's now an acquisition that's about to take place into a publicly traded company so there was like all these logistics that had to happen right and i'm just a mom and pop company over here that i'm running so yes did i have an accountant and a controller yeah but by no means to the extent and level of what we needed to do so we put all that together got the deal done and so officially my company got acquired in by the end of 2018 into this publicly traded company which meant they acquired my existing indoor facility and then remember, I had two more licenses that were just sitting on the wayside. Oh, yeah. Those two licenses came to the greenhouse we're in right now. So that's oh. now all my licenses are. Interesting. But it was a combination of getting all of that, which was what they were looking for, because the greenhouse was also what they were trying to find licenses for. So the vision was to bring both up. The why it worked so well is think about this. What would it take to populate? a 400,000 square foot greenhouse on a very scheduled basis to do it literally like back to back. Well, you had to have, we had what, 10 to 12,000 cuts in one zone. I had eight zones. So what did I have to do to be prepared for that? So we were able to actually do all of that at the indoor facility and use my entire indoor facility where all the babies started, I call them, our clones. Oh. And got the cuttings going, got the moms going, got all that set up, made sure we had the counts right, like, so that we could feed the greenhouse as soon as the state would come in. So when the state was coming and doing inspections, and at that time, <laughs> it was fun, they would do it one zone at a time. So every week, this was like a well-oiled machine. I had my group, the contractors were finishing up a zone. The state would come in to do an inspection of that one zone, gave me the green light. I would do the transfer of those plants to those zones. Now we're, and we just, I don't even think that was the best way to do it. If you ask me now, I would have never continued populating the greenhouse while there's active construction happening in the freaking building. But those were not my decisions at this point. Now I'm dealing with a whole new group of people that are making the decisions. I'm operations, I'm giving my opinion, but also, as a female, sometimes you don't get heard, do you? So no, we don't. I, I and those the learnings are there. So fast forward though, it was it was crazy times. But yeah. So what it, did they hire? So so they acquired your companies or your licenses, and then what did what were they asking you to do? So so that was even a back and forth for a while of understanding what my position and role would be because so the company that ultimately acquired me was an ag company. So okay. so they are. When I won't use the name, one of the largest growers in in Canada and Santa Maria of vegetables, tomatoes, all of that. Our facility that they used to own, that they sold into also the publicly traded company, was growing cocktail cucumbers for almost 20 years. And it got remodeled, I would say, I always say just got a facelift Mm -hmm. and became a cannabis greenhouse. So the idea was to bring me and my cannabis knowledge and my team. Right. Okay. So they called me for a while. It was back and forth, but ultimately it was COO of Nevada operations. So yes, I had that, but then you had their whole executive team, their board that was making the final decisions of how they were planning all this out. And probably in tomato land, 
this would have worked fine until they weren't passing testing. So, and that's some of the stuff that we were dealing with. And yeah. the amount of cannabis I've had to destroy from this business is it's, it's heartbreaking. It's millions and millions and multi-millions of dollars of product that didn't pass testing that failed, that was even beyond me sending it to the lab because it was just so not okay that I just couldn't, I couldn't, it was not happening under my watch. Did so, they have, I mean, did they, okay. So, so this greenhouse, I didn't realize that this greenhouse that you inherited was that old. Yep. Okay. So it was 20 years old. Problems. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously (laughs) cucumbers and from my understanding now in the world of agriculture, they don't pay attention to detail by any means. I could not, I'm still dumbfounded at that. And this is why I say I stopped eating vegetables, but that's my (laughs) joke. I should eat vegetables. You know what I mean. But I do, I do. But but totally, I I mean, we were in shock. My whole group and I were like, wait, what? So you guys don't like meticulously clean and sanitize? Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy? This is stuff we eat. And all the pesticides and chemicals that you're allowed to use. I know. Mind blown. Mind blown. I've been, I'm still mind blown. Mind blown. I, ha- I, I moderated a panel of growers once and, and I had a grower who is a vertical farmer growing lettuce. And then I had a cannabis grower and I got to the question about like, you know, health and safety, food safety and, and all the lab testing. The, the lettuce farmer, I think he mentioned one sort of FDA test that they had to pass. And then the cannabis grower just starts listing off one after the other after that. And like he got through like eight different things, I think. And the lettuce grower was just like, I had no idea. He's like, he, he was, he was dumbfounded from the other Other side side of the industry. Like you have to go through all that. And we don't like, even he thought, I think maybe that was unfair. Yeah. Rightfully so, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's It's nuts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so these, these, um, previous produce growers um, didn't realize, obviously, how critical these lab tests were going to be. And did, I mean, did you also inherit people who were growers in that original greenhouse? Absolutely. So at the beginning, you had my team is still running our indoor. So their growers and their team is running the, the greenhouse because they know how to operate it. You know, it's got the systems, it's Prevo that they use, we use at the greenhouse. So just even doing the programming, as simple something as that, you know, is not simple. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so all of that. So yes, it was their team in the greenhouse. I was always, luckily by my background, not just a therapist. This is why I asked God, why did you make me a therapist? I was literally, <laughs> and I also have a master's in mediation because that's all oh I my did. God. All <laughs> I was literally the mediator between my cannabis guys and these guys because I had to keep my team from losing their shit at me all the time. Sorry, losing their minds at me all the time. Like, Selfie, what are they? I was like, guys, but maybe they know something we don't know. Like, because mm. we're kind of like looking at them, this huge company that they're coming from. We were awfully, very clearly sold a story that was not the story, but 
I don't even know if they realize it. I would like, yeah, yeah. but now my guy says, you were the naive one because you should have seen it. Yeah, hindsight is 2020, but it is it is what it is. But yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. It was, they were kind of taking what we were saying seriously, but not to the extent I believe they should have. So we were speaking up constantly. We were putting in our two cents, giving our opinion. And and I, I did it in as well of a respectful way as I could all the time. But um, there was stuff that we just at some point shook our heads to. So but- I mean, they must have started listening right? When you started losing millions of dollars of product to the right. testing. It got, it got different. Yeah. And then absolutely as the, yes, 100%. I mean, here's a fun example, dry and cure. They bought these things called convirons. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, these dry rooms that they built in the building, mm-hmm. which from the day we saw them, we're like, wait, what? Okay. Let's see what they do. We've got a 10, we have 10 of them and you should see how they are. I still have them. They're storage rooms today. But so our first six months was going through these because they thought we just weren't dialing these things in right. We did all kinds of tests and trials, but these damn rooms just couldn't appropriately dry and cure. Our, our cannabis just smelled like grass at the end of the day. It was not doing its thing, but they stood behind it. They believed in it. They also did a wet trim. They were big on doing a wet trim. My guys and I were like, you could see the amount of money that was spent on this custom made conveyor belt system we had of how we were going to get the wet plants. Because in Nevada at that time, every wet plant had to be individually weighed. The weight had to go into metric. Then you could do what you had to do. So it was this whole fancy schmancy conveyor system we had of bringing, because 400,000 is the greenhouse. 55,000 was our, the building next to it, where we did everything post-harvest. Yeah. So that was it. Even so the wet trim is our minds were like, wait, we're going to do a wet trim. But we, we had, I hadn't designed the greenhouse. So when they came to acquire me, they were already doing the greenhouse. It was already in design stage. They were just looking for licenses as I've learned now. So I had no input on any of those decisions for the greenhouse side which I would have, I would like to think would have stood up and said loudly, yeah, right. This is not our opinion of how we believe quality cannabis gets to the market, but you know, but you didn't know what you didn't know or when it came to the greenhouse Um, trials and tribulations, I've definitely got stories for you. So (laughs) there's still people out there that do wet trim though. But the point, I guess, so I don't want to talk negative too much about it because people still do it. It's about what your expected type level quality outcome is, right? Mm. Are you trying to grow good cannabis that's going to sell for an average price and for okay return on your dollar? Okay, maybe there's something to it because we're not going to say nobody does wet trim in, in our industry. And there's some people who have perfected it. It's very hard. But I think for us, my belief was I wanted to grow the best quality cannabis. That's how you stay in this game. This is not about growing good cannabis. So that was one thing I think they did not understand, the, the quality piece. Yeah. That me and my cannabis side, the, I don't want to say even connoisseur, just anyone that knows good cannabis knows some of these factors that are significantly going to improve your quality and are necessary. If you care, I always say about quality. Another one, if you want, we can kind of go into efficiencies, automation. 
Yeah. When you're this big, um, they had designed first that conveyor belt system. I had a couple of other pieces of equipment in the building that came from Agworld of how they were going to do certain different processes. I would like to say I've, I had one, two, like at least four different areas that were, they were different systems that they brought in from Ag. We literally are using one now. All the rest we auctioned off, gone. Because I always say, if you are going to automate any of these processes in cannabis, especially at our scale, if you care about quality, there are certain things you just can't automate until we figure that out. I'm not saying maybe the future doesn't get better at this. I don't think it's been figured out yet. So that was one of the biggest learnings that I think we proved. If quality is number one for you, you can't just go and automate everything like you would do in the world of agriculture. This is not picking tomatoes, right? Yeah. I always say you have to care about every nug because that one consumer that gets that one gram of those two nugs or three nugs that should be beautiful, because they paid a lot of freaking money for it. They want to make sure everything coming out of here meets that. And, and that was something, something that was not taken, I would say, seriously enough. Can you give an example of what does work from traditional agriculture or horticulture and, and what does and what doesn't for cannabis, at least in terms of quality? Well, I can only speak from my experience because of the style of what they sure, were. Sure, sure. Like one of the examples of what does work, but could be better. For example, they use gutters. So if you know how to grow in the tomato world, but cannabis actually has gutters. Whereas in my indoor, we have the usual tables, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's good and bad. The gutters were already there. So we reuse what they were already using from okay. before. They're a little bit easier to maneuver around because of they're just these single long rails, right? And you're able to place then because of the gutters, we have to use rock wool. So the blocks would comfortably and stably yeah. sit on top of the gutters. So, so does that work? Yes, it can work. But I'm losing canopy space because those gutters have to be spaced out. So you're, oh. I'm almost using, I would say, half the square footage of what you would have had if they used traditional tables. Interesting. But buying 400,000 square feet of tables <laughs> in that greenhouse at the time would have been a very huge investment. Yeah. So pros and cons. So deciding, like, so if I guess the way I looked at it is, let me get what I got right. Let me dial this baby in. Then we could start thinking about maximizing and improving. So mm -hmm. there's always room for improvement. But that would be one of them. There's this other machine that we call the wetting line. That's the only one I kept. It allows us to wet the Rockwell blocks on a machine conveyor belt. And it allows you to do, because like I said, for us, a pot up, next pot up is 10 to 12,000 at a time which we try to do in one shift because you want consistency, right? You, they right. got to all go in at the same time. That takes us a day. With that machine, we're able to run that many blocks, get them wet, get, and then have the humans do the actual plugging. But at least that allowed us to do that in at least one shift. Interesting. It's sometimes more than eight hours, of course, in the beginning. We've gotten way faster now. But that was like the only machine I would say that's been a game changer. And that's, I would say, pre-planting. I was going to say that doesn't Not even have anything to do with the plant. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, so they, they had this other machine that they were, the vision was when you had to do pruning, 
they wanted they were bringing all the plants back out of the greenhouse to the pruning line so that the employees would stand around the machine and and do what you gotta do are we topping today are we what are we just doing whatever right whatever the, the game plan was and then they would move those blocks back out to our veg that's the whoa. machine we were like whoa and yeah we got rid of that quick but that's one that i will say does not work because you and i know that is not efficient because it's quality again yeah so the main thing is the quality piece again but it all looked wow it even made me go wow in the beginning because I thought they were onto something. Right, right. Lo and behold, it was the other way around. So I guess this is a live and learn. I mean, for everybody. Like back right. then, we're talking now, that started in 2019. Okay. We, we went through all of this in 2019. My first plants went into the greenhouse February of 2019. My, my first harvest was May 31 of 2019 in the greenhouse. So, and the indoor, when I first started was 2016. So I've been now doing that for a couple of years by that time. So I, I was learning, well, do I apply what I've learned? Maybe it doesn't apply here. Maybe because of the fact that it's a greenhouse. We were constantly questioning now all the things I had now learned doing what I'm doing in my little baby greenhouse, in my baby indoor facility. And now we were like, well, okay, so that first year was open mind. We spoke up, we gave our opinions, but when things just never kept going right, that's when it started becoming a little more hostile with the teams and fast forward all of us. So, cause early January of 2021 is when, again, fast forward, we were able to kick out my predecessors. We did like, it's a publicly traded stuff, but we literally kicked out the predecessors and took control of the company back. So my current CEO and myself are now wow. running the company. So, and now still, still dealing with all of the headaches from there. It's not done. We're in the middle of restructuring. So trying to get the corporation, the business, the day-to-day, -day, the, the finances, that's where my head is at these days, right? Mm -hmm. Versus mm -hmm. me doing what I used to enjoy being on the floor with my team and running. I actually have a CEO finally we hired a few months ago because they're like okay so we you, you're not ceo anymore like we got a company to run you gotta <laughs> to help you do that and it took them a while to convince me trust me it was it was hurtful in the beginning until i realized it wasn't necessarily about me personally right. it was just understanding now what my role is as a leader as yeah. wanting to figure out where are we taking this company as the industry is almost falling apart some days around us it's it's definitely 2022 has been a very, very tough year that it has. I don't think anyone saw coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's weird because I feel like we weathered the storm of 2019 and 2020. I'm sorry, 2020 and 2021 right. fairly well. And then 2022, it's like everything caught up to us. One. Like the whole world, right? Like it's just um yeah, it's been right. a hard year in, in general. Um, there's a huge lag of when COVID really uh, feels like yeah. we're feeling it in a different way. I, I want to ask you, I mean, when, when you took over from the predecessors and, and they left, what were some of the immediate changes you made? It was, we started making what I'm still dealing with, what I call my CapEx list. My number, my top three issues that I've inherited. 
Okay. Up, upgrading the cutting cells. This is where, so they, we at the time had a, they, we called it cutting cells. It literally came from, I guess, how lettuce is born, the design. But those cells don't just have appropriate environmental controls. That's the simplest way I could put it. Like they look pretty. It's all stainless steel. It's these racks, these rooms you walk into. They, they're fancy. They've got controls, but they're not able to appropriately control the two simplest things we talk about, temperature and humidity, <laughs> where it starts, right? So we're constantly trying to figure out how to fix these two cells because that's where our babies literally are born and they live for two weeks. That's where mm -hmm. their rooting starts. So okay. it's significant. My number two thing, water and irrigation. So when they remodeled or facelifted this greenhouse for cannabis, they did not fix the back of the house. They had the same equipment they were using for 20 plus years of cucumber world. So you are talking from the tanks to my RO system to all of that stuff. You know, it didn't get handed to us clean. So now understanding the significance, the pipes, my oh. water, my pipes that are on that lead, that feed my babies, the water that comes. Well, what's in all those pipes? The buildup, the gunk, like simple things you would think that. They, are, did, they didn't even flush that system at all. And I don't know if they still did it while we were together, even in the beginning, right? Because you're using wow. all of these uh, organic nutrients that you're trying to use. And anyway, so that's the second one. And the third one is building a real true dry cure. <laughs> so those are literally, nice. I would say my true, because those are like the core things to me, because the one decision we made is we were going to try to grow. We are here growing the best quality cannabis for the most affordable price. We want cannabis to be accessible to as many people as possible, because my other gripe now in the world of cannabis is how expensive it is in the store. Yeah, I know. And that's why I know how much cannabis I smoke. If someone even does half of that and has to go buy it all the time, I'm like, how much money do people have to be making? It's not cheap. And it's medicine too, as much as it is enjoyment, as much as it is good, whatever, all of the, whatever the reason, it is not cheap. And I think that's why we wanted to come in here because we want to do this above and beyond just being a good business. I always say, I didn't start a business not to make money. I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm not here to not make money. That's stupid. Nobody does that. <laughs> Come on. Like, don't look at me. <laughs> There's a reason I started a very expensive, hard business, right? Yeah. So like, people always have this thought, well, you must be okay. I'm like, no, that, that's not from cannabis. I worked hard to be able to even start this, right? Mm -hmm. so that, that's like, yeah. So anyways, we are really trying to focus on accessibility to more because we you can grow the lowest cost greenhouse, right? That's where it's at. I yeah. would say the world is changing. I think maybe the way people are even considering looking at what we do in turn, and even myself, like we would all, all my team in the beginning was like, Salpi, we're doing greenhouse. You partnered with a greenhouse, my team, my guys. I'm like, guys, come on. Like, look how huge this thing is. We There's got to be a secret here. We don't know that we're missing something. But I do you still think there is? I mean, Will I, you be able to to hit the the quality that you want at a lower yes, price? Yes, one hundred percent. 
Am I going to be the A-A-A-A out of the greenhouse that you can do when you baby something in a connoisseur world of that? No, but I can come very close for the majority of buyers out there because your consumer base is not that. Your consumer base is that 99 rest percent (laughs) that is just trying to really smoke some good cannabis that they can count on that they know is good for their health and that they can taste it and enjoy it and love it and and that's the focus of it so well um, I was gonna add, I mean what what are I think you just described a little bit but but what are the qualities that you're looking for or striving for maybe I should say when growing cannabis and drying and curing cannabis right I mean we all know if we're both avid smokers and users so we understand good from not good the smell the look the trichomes the usual things i can't believe that thc is still where it's at today thank you for started it, it kills me but i have to run a business and make money so now we're trying to make sure we still have the thc all where it needs to be not just the terpenes so for me it's ideal world high THC, amazing, beautiful terpenes. And I say, where else do you do that better than a greenhouse? Because I say, I've got everything you have for the most part in an indoor facility, plus mother nature, Mm. because that's why we're a high tech greenhouse. I have so much equipment in this greenhouse. It's what you have in our indoor. Then I get the beautiful sun. So that that's why I would like to think that if anywhere could do it, it's actually in the greenhouse. But we just got to figure it out. And yeah. really figure out how to tweak that. This is not for the 1% whole different connoisseur cannabis. I'm never going to say that we're going to get there, especially because of my scale. This Maybe if it was a small scale, possible. But that's my other thing that's fighting against me. It's the scale. It's the size. It's, it's too much. It's huge. So for me to pay the attention that my guys would pay in your indoor facility, right? My guys probably knew the plants on each table by name so to speak right table three the one in the back the 10th row like we would talk like that about the plants here you tell me the last time i walked to the end of one of the rows to see how the babies are doing all the way in the back corner of of a forty thousand square foot zone out of the total it's just not realistic Mm -hmm. and for me to think that my guys will baby these babies to that level that's my wish so until we can get to that level, I would say maybe different story. But yeah, but right now I'm focused on high quality, low price, surviving this next shakeup of cannabis. That's the vision right now. I, I'm I'm glad you're bringing up quality because I feel like more and more cannabis growers are starting to talk about quality, and and I I think much of this is about just the glut of supply that there is uh, at least here in California um, of cannabis. And, you know, we still have a very, um, healthy black market, obviously in California. Um, and and so a lot of growers are talking about this differentiation that if they're going to survive, it's not going to be based on producing more. It's going to be based on producing better quality. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. So that's why I asked, what does quality mean? Right. Because that's the problem. I mean, THC is so convenient because it's a number we can test. Right. And there's not a lot of agricultural products that we buy based off of a quantified number. Right. Who 
buys a, a banana based on how much potassium it has. I mean, right. wouldn't it be awesome if we did? We just know that it does have potassium. So we eat yeah. it, right? Um, and so, you know, a cannabis, like it, it, for good and bad, we have this quantified number, right? And, and so we can quantify it, but then how do we qualify it? Um, and, and quality is so different to everyone. And, you know, even some of my friends who are not big users, the more and more I talk to them, they say, you know, God, I wish there was a 5% or a 10% THC because I don't use a lot. And I want to go to a party and I want to have fun and socialize, but I don't want to take one hit and just, and be done for the night, you know? And so there's this market that just feels so untapped and you are even sort of describing it, right? Like how, how do we get to that point where, where it's about quality and not just quantity? Um, Cause it is going to be consumer driven. Yeah. So yeah. We're still trying to be business women here. We're still right. trying to run our businesses and, and make revenue here. That's number one, but it's yeah. about what you do with your company beyond that. But you brought up a, a very good point. Quality is sometimes so subjective. I will sit with my whole team here and we'll smoke the same joint and we all have a very different, sometimes it does. It happens impression. Mm -hmm. I don't like, for example, the stinky ones. I'm big on the sweet ones and that's my choice. Doesn't mean I won't smoke them. Well, of course I will. (laughs) But if I had a choice, right. So, and, and then me and my CEO go back. He's, he's such a, He's my connoisseur. Like we always say, if we could make him at least smile when he smokes those cannabis, we did it because he is truly the, that, that connoisseur level guy. And all he's doing is our focus is trying to get that out of here. Like we're going to get there because we know quality being so subjective, there's got to be at least a point where at least everything we're growing for the most part tastes good has the THC, has the terpenes, and can actually be enjoyed, I guess. Is that how we could say it? And liked by yeah. more people than not I, is the best way I could look at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tastes great, less filling, right? Yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I'll I'm still trying to find this uh, THCV that we're supposed to lose weight with because I'm like, if we could figure that out. That <laughs> yeah. through, oh my gosh, like, that would be an old mind. Guys, right? So yeah, obviously hasn't happened yet, but I I guess not. Yeah. Unfortunately, how do you hope this industry will evolve and how, I mean, you've been doing this for five or six years. How has it, how have you seen the industry evolve and how do you hope it continues to evolve? I mean, standing on my platform of mental health and quality of life. I want it to be way more normalized. I like to help more and more people become new users. I'm big on transforming users, people into users. Like I I get to interact with so many, especially older generation women that are my generation that have still the same fears. I'm trying to like come up with a way to help people learn how to start because a lot of people have those stories, right? of their first few experiences that didn't go great. Everyone comes to me with the butt, but I said, I get it. I've been there. I have literally a handful that I could tell you were traumatic. And I begged my husband to take me to the emergency room because I'm like, I'm dying right now. Like it was horrible. But of course he's like, yeah, no, chill out. We're good. You're going to be <laughs> all right. Yeah. So 
But those help sometimes shape people's feeling about cannabis the wrong way because they were never appropriately trained or taught or learned how to just do it right. All I tell everybody is start slow. Just start slow. Don't over, don't jump in, take your time, try one today. Maybe literally just take a few hits. Gummies, edibles. Oh my gosh, the stories I've heard with disasters with gummies and ends up people being crouched in the corner because they took so many because they oh, didn't yeah. like chill out. Just let it do what it does. And if that night didn't work, don't try to finish it off that night. But these are like little tidbits I didn't know either. So if I could say anything to anybody is take it slow and see how your body reacts. And it's different with every type and format of what you're taking. A joint versus an infused joint versus a vape versus concentrate. My first dab, whoa, floral, the taste, amazing. I still remember it. I took one hit. I was out. <laughs> that was a whole other story but again your body has to get used to it you have mm -hmm. to build up some kind of tolerance level and whatever that is that is but everybody's first is going to be very different than what it is later and I think people just kind of forget that and of course it makes them sleep it makes you want to go you 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 don't have fun and if you're at a party doing this you just missed out on the whole fun of it yeah. so everybody immediately goes to these feelings nobody wants that so it's really about that. I think it goes to education. Yeah. People just don't know enough of the basics. We and how do, how do we educate? I mean, how do we break through, I mean, practically 100 years of miseducation uh, on what this plant is? Right. And I think, number one, we all know by getting federal legalization is going to bring a whole new slew. So that's a given. But what I try to do now is that's why I said this is for me beyond just a business and growing cannabis. We have to choose as, as, as people who believe in cannabis to do more. That's why I've got my whole team here. Like, I was like, do I do women's groups? Do I do educational workshops? Do we just get people together to learn, to talk, to understand? Consumption lounges are coming here soon. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to connect the two where I can actually take people out do these groups and then go out and use with them very slowly and just give them a little taste of it. Cause right now I don't have anywhere I can do that last part with them legally in a space that they can be comfortable. So I'm trying to actually come up with ways to reach more people that I could do that too. Because as a clinician, I can use the whole psychoeducation piece. You know what I yeah. mean? And that's, I, I'm really, that's my platform. I mean, I love that because I think about like what's happening with psychedelics right now and having sort of like these guided um, experiences, right? Like if you, if you want to use mushrooms that now you can like have this guide who can like kind of, I don't know, walk you through your experience um, and help you have a positive experience an enlightening, right? Experience, a life transforming experience. And I love thinking about what you just said, like you as a clinician, having creating a space where you can facilitate a positive life transforming experience through cannabis it. i freaking love that you did it on the nose because that's what you want people to think when they think cannabis right now for some people it's fear some people it's anxiety from the fact that it's cannabis i'm gonna what like because they've been so trained 
come on remember this is drugs this is your brain on drugs right remember the commercial just say no like what <laughs> here i am so yeah. yeah that's beautiful well i can't wait to um participate with you someday hopefully I, in the near future on that we're gonna see each other soon hopefully yeah it's gonna be yeah. awesome uh, just a couple last questions um yeah. What do you find the most exciting and rewarding about what you do? And maybe you've already described it, but like maybe even on a daily basis running this business. I guess why I'm still so passionate is because it's so personal to me, Mm. because this is something I it's it's my life. It's my lifestyle. I live. I walk the walk and talk the talk. Like there's so many people who started cannabis businesses that don't even use cannabis. Again, to each his own, they're about the business. I wanted from day one to figure out how to grant it, be about the business, because first we got to professionalize it, make sure that people see us as a legitimate operating business with like we care about from the safety to I have a safety uh, employee that that's all he does is make sure my team is safe and on point with the OSHA stuff. I've got some HR that has to make sure employees are like, we do everything normal businesses do, right? Like the world out there doesn't know that because they also only know about the black market and what they think. And they've seen it even movies. Think about that. Not, not even our business are portrayed accurately in movies yet. As I think about it, but I think that's like, I, I'm wishing and hoping that that's where we can really take the future of people to see the other side of it, the professional side, but my the heart of it from why we believe so deeply in something that is as simple and blessed from mother nature. It's a plant. It's so natural and and it does so much and it's it's fun and it's not going to do anything like what. I hate to say this, but like what alcohol does, that's toxic. And, and all the things we talk about, I don't even need to tell you, but that's what I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. to me, cannabis is a very unique, one of a kind plant that has some amazing, amazing capabilities to change people's lives. That's amazing. Like it's changed mine, I guess. There you yeah. Go. Yeah. It's changed a lot of lives. Yeah, we're so lucky to live in a time when it's more or less accepted by by society. Are you glad that you operate cultivation facilities in Nevada as opposed to, say, here in California? Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I, I know so many people in California. So I know yeah. struggle is real everywhere, but the struggle is real right now, right? Yeah. And, and I think just the amount of people growing in California already was one of the reasons we came to Nevada, the regulations and the fact that it was new here. So I think 100%, it sucks, but I'm from LA. I trust me, I'd rather be in LA and living in LA. I love Las Vegas, don't get me wrong, but LA is home for me. Yeah. And um, But yeah, 100%, love what I'm doing here in Nevada. I'm still very happy to be doing what I'm doing in cannabis, re- besides the fact that this business has not done anything we thought about, dreamt about, hoped, but I still believe that we're on the, the brink of something so new and so real that I, I, I'm literally holding on to that. And I'm not going to lose that hope for what we're going to be still coming in the next five to 10 years. We're a part of history. Yeah. We are truly a part of history. So true. So I'm, I'm good with that. 
So last question for you. What do plants crave? What does the cannabis plant crave? <laughs> what does the plant crave? I've never been asked that. Obviously, just basic science-wise, good nutrients going in because you're feeding the plant. Mm -hmm. the, the quality, we pay so much attention to the water quality, to the nutrient quality, right? To, the, to controlling the environment, the level of sun, the level of all of the above, what it really takes to give that basic science requirements of growing a good plant. I'm going to go beyond that and say, of course, this is a plant that I would like to think craves care and love because it returns that favor. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to take kind of my psychology hat and put that on for me, take my science cultivation hat off, put our hat on that. That's part of, I would say, how I look at it. That's why we care so much. And that's why we call them babies, because they truly are cared for like that. Like, I don't have kids by choice. I've dedicated my life to work, obviously, but these are truly where my heart and soul has to go to, because these babies are the life. That is coming. I love that. Hope I that love I that. that. It does. <laughs> Yay. I love asking questions people haven't been asked before. Yep. <laughs> okay. Cool. I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Oh, God. Okay. So just real quick answers. If you want to expand on anything, please do. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm scared, but I'm ready. No, you're going to be great. All right. Is cannabis an introvert or an extrovert? Oh my gosh. I like to say extrovert because the whole point of when you're using, smoking, enjoying this plant, it's allowing you to put your guard down. It helped me be a different person. I definitely am a different human as a cannabis smoker. And I would say I had to stick up my, you know what, when it came to stuff like this before mm -hmm. that it opened my mind. And because of that, I've opened my mind to more things. And, and I'm like, yeah, I see life very differently. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, my next question, I feel like sort of follows that, which is can cannabis improve the state of the world? A thousand million gazillion percent. I say that all the time. I always say I'm going to change the world because of cannabis. That's like a something that people hear comes out of my mouth all the time, mm -hmm. because I really believe if the more people we can get to smoke cannabis, this world can truly be a better place because it's an extrovert plant. Yeah. It helps people see things differently. It, it helps people stop being such a-holes and just like chill out a minute. Let's just be real a minute. And I, I hope cannabis can help more. And it's, it's like the baby version of that because it's not detrimental. It's not, it shouldn't be scary it should fully be enjoyable and relaxing. It's kind of like the precursor, like with the whole psychedelics coming. Trust me, I'm like right there with that too. It's the same feelings as I had in the beginning with cannabis. And now the fact that I'm even opening my mind to that, mm. I'm surprised at myself. Like, oh, wow. Because I'm seeing what this is about and what it does to us and how we think and feel. So it's mind and heart. Yeah. It's the original peace pipe, right? Maybe. Yeah. yeah, totally. What is the best advice you were ever given about 
either growing the cannabis plant or about the cannabis industry in general? Huh. I don't know if I've been given any good advice. I've it's all been learnings and me figuring things out. And because I don't think anybody's knows. <laughs> mm. Okay, okay. Let me flip that question on you then. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> the first <laughs> that came to my head was that starting a cannabis business was gonna be easy and <laughs> very rich. Or rich. Yes, it, it wasn't. Yes. You weren't. <laughs> so I would say again, but does that mean I shouldn't have started it? Or no, I think I would have made very different decisions knowing what I know now. I always actually was thinking that today. If I knew back then what I knew now, man, I would have made so many different decisions. Man, if I could have a do-over, I, I, I love... would definitely be successful. So what, what do you wish you'd known before you got started? All of what we've learned, everything we talked everything. about. Everything. To grow, what it means to pass, how to be more efficient. Where do you spend the money? Where do you save the money? What's worth it? What's not worth it? Like how to, from the design part to equipment stuff, like the stuff you should be buying, the name brand stuff, like lights, does do LEDs versus HPSs? Like, where's the thinking on that? Like, is it about yield? Is it about quality? Is it about THC? Is it about terpene? I can go on and on and on, all of that. But it's, it's about all of it. And coming down to every single day's decisions we make, coming from operations, it's, it's the way your brain works. So I feel like everything is a domino effect. So all your decisions would have created a very different domino effect because I would have been in a different place to start. But I guess that's how you learn. Yeah, so true. wishful thinking. <laughs> if you were having a therapy session with cannabis plant, what would it tell you? <laughs> It would say thank you for truly mm. seeing what is what cannabis is about and helping spread the word so that the cannabis plant can get rid of this negative stigma because that's anxiety for the plant. Yeah. Right? That that's what I would say. Love it. That's perfect. That's the perfect way to end. Thank you. Awesome. Thank All you right. so much, Salty. This is awesome. You are awesome. I had so much fun with you on the panel. This was more fun, actually. So awesome. thank you so much. But <laughs> All uh, right. we'll see. Are you coming out for MJ Biz? I'm not going to come, but you oh. know, a few of my team members are. I'm going to be back in Las Vegas, though, uh, the end of February. So I'm going to hit okay, you up so when I'm back then. And obviously, if you ever need any help on anything. Oh, I know. I appreciate yes. that. Thank okay. Okay. I know. Now that I know you're even out there, I had no idea, to be honest with you. So... Well, here I am. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, Selfie. Right. Have a Have great a rest of your day. day. All right. Bye-bye.